Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast on matters important to community associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Association Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. The topic for this episode is rules enforcement in the community association. Every community association has rules, and in this episode, we'll be talking about why rules must be enforced in a consistent manner. My guest today is Edward Hoffman, Esquire, a partner and co-founder of the law firm Barrow Hoffman, with offices in Warminster and Center Valley, Pennsylvania. Ed regularly represents and counsels homeowner associations, condominiums, and planned communities on a full range of issues, including litigation, governing document drafting, amendments and revisions, transition issues, covenant enforcement, assessment violations, and collections. Ed is also a member of CAI's Pennsylvania Legislative Action Committee and speaks frequently at educational programs on issues important to community associations. Welcome, Ed. Hi, Tony. How are you? Glad to have you with us. Um, My first question on rules enforcement, why must communities enforce covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations? Well, in its simplest terms, whether it's a planned community, co-op, or condo, if it's any type of common interest community, the board or executive board or council is charged with the responsibility to enforce the community's documents, covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations for the benefit of every member and owner in the community. Uh, The responsibility isn't voluntary. It's the board has a duty to ensure that the covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations are adhered to and followed by the members and owners. And the board also has to enforce covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations against a member who fails to adhere to follow the rules and regulations. So some examples that I can give off, off the cuff would be frequently uh, occurring things, pools, trash issues, outdoor elements like architectural issues, architectural control, uh, parking pets and animals. That's the holy trilogy, right? Parking pets and animals. Curtains, outdoor storage, maintenance, and playgrounds. Uh, Those are some very common enforcement issues going on in communities. So what you're saying is it's not an option. The the, the elected board members are obligated to enforce the rules. Correct. Correct. They can't can't let the, the... governing documents sit on the shelf. Right. They're there for a reason. How does inconsistent enforcement occur? Well, it occurs in a number of different ways. Um, one of them, and this one is kind of patently obvious, but I see it happening more often than not, it's failing to actually enforce the covenant, the covenants restrictions and rules and regulations. Meaning the covenant is there, the restriction is there, or the rule has been published and disseminated to the community, but the board is failing to do anything about it. So let me interrupt you a second. So what you're saying is the more common situation is not a board enforcing a rule sometimes and not others. The more common situation is the board not enforcing it at all. Well, yes and no. It depends. I I see this as it depends on how hard the rule is to enforce. So it's the low-hanging fruit theory. So oftentimes boards will enforce the rules that are easy to enforce. And the, the rules that are more difficult to enforce or 
are emotional issues, kind of like a pet issue, boards are reluctant to take on sometimes. So you have to follow the provisions set forth in the governing documents uniformly and consistency all the time. Failing to do that leads in and of itself to inconsistent enforcement. Inconsistent enforcement in this realm would be you're not enforcing the documents at all related to one of the rules and regulations or restrictions. So it's not consistent. You following me? I so, am. So when a board doesn't enforce its governing documents uniformly, it basically weakens or it can kill an enforcement action filed by a board and prevent an association from actually being able to enforce its governing documents. And the end result of that is it wreaks havoc for the association. So, Ed, you said that a rule is, that sometimes rules are hard to enforce, uh, emotional issues, pets, etc. So, does it make sense to adopt certain rules? You know, should, should the board or the council consider the difficulty or ease of enforcement when they're adopting that rule? Should that be part of the conversation? Well, maybe I should clarify the issue. So, on one hand, the covenants, or rather the declaration, may contain restrictions in it that the board has to enforce. And those are in the documents. They're in the covenants themselves. So there's no getting around those. Uh, whether or not a board wants to enforce it is kind of irrelevant. And if an issue is difficult for a board to enforce because they feel it's unfair or it's just something they don't want to touch, meaning they don't want to tell someone they can only have two dogs because the declaration provides for two and a nice lady has three dogs, right? So it's a sensitive issue. So they don't want to approach that subject, but it's in the documents for a reason. So that's kind of where I'm going with that. It's you have to enforce what the documents are. Now that being said, if a rule doesn't make sense from a practical perspective, meaning if the declaration provides for two dogs but everyone in the community has had three and four dogs for 20 years obviously they haven't been enforcing it the only solution to that would be to amend the document meaning seek an amendment of the declaration rules and regulations are different rules and regulations don't take unit owner vote to amend if a rule or regulation has been uh, promulgated by the board of directors pursuant to its statutory authority or its authority under the declaration they can simply just revise, amend, or repeal a rule in order for it to make sense. So, Ed, can you give us a few more examples of how inconsistent enforcement occurs? Yeah, absolutely. So, one thing that I see happening um, all the time, and it's really human nature more than anything else, is a board of directors playing favorites. So, boards can't choose to enforce their covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations against one owner and not another even if they really like the one owner and the other one is the pariah of the community for whatever reason, the board has to comply with its fiduciary duty to the association and its members, so it has to enforce the covenants against all members equally and can't play favorites. So picking and choosing some but not all is a surefire path to litigation. It's also a surefire path to a unit owner saying, why are you enforcing this rule against me, but not this rule against that owner? Or I see happening more frequently, why are you enforcing this? Let's pick one, a 
parking rule against me, but you don't enforce the dog rules against anyone. So you're not doing your, your job as a board of directors. So it weakens the board's position. Another example I would give you is stupid decisions. People make stupid decisions, and board members are people, right? So community leaders, board members make stupid decisions, and they lead to inconsistent enforcement of the documents and the covenants. And the key is basically recognizing what occurred and reversing course on a stupid decision before it becomes a problem. Don't realize you made a stupid decision and then make it worse. Admit the error and keep going. Uh, lack of due process is a killer for associations. And in Pennsylvania here, uh, the Plan Community Act and the Condominium Act both provide an association with the authority or power to levy reasonable fines for violations of the declaration, bylaws, and rules and regs. But, and this is the key, only after notice and an opportunity to be heard is provided to the owner. And there's a lot of other jurisdictions that have exactly the same requirements. So what I see going on a lot is the documents that are drafted by the developer, they provide for the opposite. They provide for finding the owner and then telling them they can appeal. Instead of telling them what the issue is, giving them an opportunity to be heard and then issuing a decision on it. So basically finding an owner or engaging in a related enforcement action without providing them with a notice to be heard can lead to a successful lack of due process defense by an owner. And I see more frequently than not, most of the developer drafted documents that of course they inherit, that the associations inherit when they go through transition, most of them have it backwards. Most of the developers say, you're guilty and then you can appeal, you're fine. So uh, lack of due process is something that also leads to inconsistent enforcement. Unofficial enforcement is another example I'd give you. Um, I, call, I call it unofficial enforcement in quotes and it's basically when a board member or committee member or some other person with apparent or actual authority acts uh, on behalf of the association and tells a member to do something related to the covenants, rules and restrictions but without the consent of the board. So an ARC member unilaterally decides to tell someone. Uh, just, just for purposes of the audience, ARC, what's that stand for? Not NOAA, but Architectural Review Committee. It's, it's a different kind of ARC. It is. And I don't think the animals are disputing much on there. So an, an ARC member, an Architectural Review Committee member, unilaterally decides to verbally advise the unit owner to remove his deck because the member believes it's in violation of the covenants, right? He's walking the neighborhood, he sees it, and he says, you need to take this deck out. Well, the owner may think that that person has actual authority because he's a member of the committee, right? Committee members work or rather function under the authority of the board of directors at the, at the will of the board. That member had no power to do that. Board members do the same thing. They walk the community, and frequently they'll tell people this is what's going on. So those kind of things can also lead to inconsistent enforcement and could lead to trouble. And the final example I would have is boards like to draft rules and regulations on their own, and the rules and regs they draft are contrary or contradictory to the actual covenants. So an example would be the covenants provide that no sheds are permitted, and then they draft a rule saying you're allowed to have an 8 by 10 shed in the back of it. So that's going to lead to nothing but trouble, because if some people may have bought in that community because they don't like sheds. They don't want a shed, they think it's an eyesore. And then they draft a rule saying you can have a shed. 
And again, if the majority of people want sheds, you can amend the declaration. Right, because the, the language in the declaration takes precedent over the rules and regulations. Always. Right. Always. So ha they have to be consistent. So, Ed, it sounds like there could be a potential liability for the community association for inconsistent enforcement. Correct. Correct. So if a board inconsistently enforces its, its documents, its rules and regulations, its covenants, it may result in a lawsuit being filed against the association and or its board by a member. Boards have to act properly, uniformly, and consistently when enforcing the community's covenants, restrictions, and rules. And the question I frequently get is, well, what's the standard? What do we have to do to determine if we acted properly? Did we act properly, uniformly, and consistently when we were enforcing? And in Pennsylvania, there's a concept known as the business judgment rule. And it's a corporate law concept. And the business judgment rule provides that board members must make decisions within the scope of their given authority. So they can't walk around and tell people you can't wear green socks because the declaration doesn't say anything about green socks, right? It's a covenant, there are covenants that run with the land pertinent to the property. You have to act in good faith. So courts will say, did they act in good faith? You have to use ordinary care. Ordinary care means what would your grandma say with respect to the issue? If you give an example, here's what they did. What do you think? Do you think that was, that was normal for them to do? Was that reasonable? And they have to act in the best interest of the association, meaning not in the best interest of the board members or anyone else in particular. So under the business judgment rule, in order to establish a breach, a cause of action for breach of fiduciary duty, the party complaining has to allege facts to provide that the board acted in an unauthorized manner or that the actions were taken fraudulently in bad faith or constituted, constituted self-dealing. So it's a pretty strict standard there that the courts would apply. And courts typically in Pennsylvania and a lot of other states that have some sort of business judgment rule, whether it's statutory or common law, courts typically don't substitute their judgment for that of the board of directors and won't interfere with the internal management unless the acts complained of or proven show fraud, bad faith, or gross mismanagement uh, or illegal. So courts don't like to poke their heads in the affairs of associations if it's shown that the associations are acting in good faith, acting properly in the best interest of the association. And another thing you should, you should know is even if a board makes a dumb decision, so even if the decision was wrong, right, and we're talking about inconsistent enforcement, even if their decision was wrong, as long as they believed at the time it was the right decision and it was made in good faith, it wasn't illegal, court won't knock the court for liability. They may say it was the wrong decision, but they won't hold the board of directors liable for it. So the key is acting in good faith. So if a board is held liable for inconsistent enforcement, um, and this is a little off topic, I guess, are they personally liable or is it the association's insurance that will cover that uh, well, liability? So there's two things going on. So one would be, uh, you mentioned insurance, I'll, I'll answer it in reverse. So director and officer liability insurance is important. Uh, DNO policy would cover a claim filed against the board and or the association and protect and defend the association and its board from, and this is the key, covered claims. So the claim has to be covered. Uh, if the allegations are that there was fraud 
if the allegations are uh, that they were stealing or self-dealing, there still may be a duty to defend under the policy, and it would all be specific pursuant to the terms of the policy. But they may not be covered if there's a finding of fraud or self-dealing. Uh, typically, they're not going to cover illegal acts ever. No insurance comp- company or policy would ever cover illegality for any kind of insurance policy. So uh, that's the first question. As far as personal liability of board members goes, uh, typically board members aren't held personally liable as long as they can show and prove that their actions were done in the best interest of the association and not for self-dealing, that they used a reasonable person process in coming to a decision, that the decision was informed, that they did they contact and, and retain professionals to help them with the decision. So if it's a roofing issue, did they hire uh, an engineering firm or a roofing contractor to give them an opinion on the issue? Or did they just go off the cuff and say, we're just going to go ahead and do this? or not going to do it, right? The other, the other side of that coin is, we're not going to take care of it. And then everyone everyone's roof leaks. So did they act reasonably? Part of that process is, did they consult the right professionals? So let me lay out a scenario for you here and get you to comment on this. A board, you know, same board's been in place for 10 years. They, there's a rule in the declaration says no pets. They didn't enforce it. Half the owners have pets. New board takes over and decides they're going to start enforcing that rule. Is it still enforceable? Happens all the time. The simple answer is yes, it's enforceable. However, they also have to use, and I hate to, I hate to bring this concept up, common sense. They have to use common sense in how this is handled. So if decades have gone by and they haven't enforced a pet rule, there are going to be a lot of people there with pets. And they're going to be very unhappy if the board says, we're going to start enforcing this rule. And that means you need to get rid of Fido and you need to get rid of Tiger the cat. Gone. It's not going to happen. People, you know how people are with their pets. It's I'm not, not sure any of them still name their dogs Fido, but continue. <laughs> I disagree with that. But where I'm going with it is there would have to be something that occurs to accommodate for that. And probably what would have to occur in that type of situation is the board would come out and say, we haven't enforced this policy for a period of years. We're going to start enforcing the policy. And therefore, everyone currently with a pet is going to be grandfathered. When those pets pass away, you can't replace them. The other side of that coin is the board can realize that if the vast majority of people have the pets the rule and it hasn't been enforced, it hasn't been enforced for a reason because the rule is ridiculous, because nobody agrees with it. Past boards haven't agreed with it. Union owners, the vast majority of them have pets. So just get rid of the rule. So at that Revise point, it, it might make more sense just to change the rule. Right. And right. typically, if it's, an, if it's a declaration issue, uh, when it comes to pets and you're telling people they can keep their pets, you're probably going to get the votes for mm-hmm. that. Right. Uh, so in, in, we've been talking about inconsistent enforcement. It is avoidable. How, how can a board avoid being inconsistent in its enforcement efforts? Well, in, in a simple term, best practices. So the board has to incorporate best practices as it relates to enforcement of the covenants, restrictions, rules, and regulations. And some examples I've already gone over, and this may be a summary more than anything else, but best practices a board should incorporate would include following the procedures set forth in the governing documents. So if the governing document actually has a rule or something that should be followed, follow it. Ensuring due process is provided to the owners, right? Make sure due process is followed. 
So you're not in a position where you're trying to enforce something and someone comes back with a, a, a lack of due process defense and wins. Act uniformly to all owners. Don't pick and choose. And also act uniformly with all the rules. So if you're going to enforce the parking rule, enforce the pet rule. Another thing they can do is adopt, repeal, and amend rules as necessary to clarify them. If they're rules, the board's free to do that. If it's an amendment of a declaration issue and the board realizes that the vast majority of unit owners, typically the two-thirds that are required under the statutes, would be in favor of doing that, they should maybe consider that. Act within your, the scope of your given authority. Don't, don't go beyond what your authority is under the law. Act in good faith, use ordinary care, and always act in the best interest of the association. And probably the last one I would say, and it might sound self-serving, is contact counsel before acting if there's a question as to enforcement. So instead of doing a knee-jerk reaction and doing something and then coming to me or my partner later and saying, this is what we did, what do we do now? Maybe if you called before, we'd be able to guide you through that process. Well, that makes sense. So, Ed, we're running, we're, we're running out of time. How about a quick summary on what association leaders uh, should do to make sure their, their enforcement efforts are consistent? Sure. So the first thing they can do is they can pass a resolution and, and with the assistance of counsel, can adopt an enforcement policy that would be applied uniformly and consistently, consistently regardless of the owner or the issue that's involved. The policy can also incorporate some level of flexibility for a board to make reasonable exceptions to, the pol- to a policy for warranted circumstances. And that policy has to be followed so there's no dispute as to what must be done later as it relates to enforcement. And owners have to be provided with a copy of the policy because that's the other part of the due process equation, which is substantive due process. If you don't tell people what the policy is or the rule, how can they follow it? So always provide them with a policy. So in summary, I would say altogether, association leaders should be cognizant of the issue of inconsistent enforcement, and they have to proactively and properly enforce the community's covenants, restrictions, and rules and regulations. Doing it correctly now will serve to avoid problems later and will greatly reduce or even eliminate the potential for liability. And finally, if there's a question or doubt as to any type of enforcement issue, the board should elicit the cogent advice of counsel before undertaking the the action, not after. Okay, we've been speaking with Ed Hoffman with the law firm Barrow Hoffman on the topic of rules enforcement in the community association. And Ed, I want to thank you for joining me. This is uh, very good information for our listeners. For those of you who may want more information on this topic, Uh, You can find Ed's contact information at www.barrowhoffman.com for more resources on this and other topics regarding the management or governance of your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association. Please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-pa-delval.org. Thank you for listening.